0: At the beginning, like in the immediate aftermath of her death, um, I definitely feel signs of struggling. However, in my school, in my university, um, there were very, very few resources to reach help. So even though I recognized my signs of struggling, I didn't know where to go to help.
1: Hey, welcome back to normalize the conversation today I'm here with Herbert they are a pianist photographer and mental health advocate Herbert is also a speaker for jack.org Herbert I am so excited for this conversation we actually connected on Instagram a while ago and have really built this friendship so I thank you so much for being so willing to come on the podcast how are you really
0: I'm feeling great. Thank you, friend, for this opportunity. Really excited.
1: Of course. I am so excited because you have an amazing story. So I would love to jump right in and tell us a little bit about your mental health journey.
0: So first of all, um, my mental health journey is very detailed and very long. So actually, it was so long that when I first seeked help from a therapist last year, um, it taught me the first full two sessions, so two hours in total, to tell my whole story in all the detail. So um, it's really hard to summarize, but to keep it short, um, I, I've i lived in uh, Toronto for most of my life, uh, from grades one to twelve and then I uh I studied in university in Ottawa and uh, Montreal so University of Ottawa and McGill University respectively before uh, moving to Vancouver um last summer so um that that is basically my physical journey so my mental health journey um basically begins like very early in my life um I Like, I definitely have suffered from depression before, definitely um, have um, experienced uh, unsupportive parents and also just academic pressure, like very typical problems that uh, most young people have faced these days. And it's, uh, it's, again, it's very exhaustive to talk about all of this, but um, the bulk of my mental health journey that's uh, worthy of talking about was actually starting in university when um, actually in my first year of university I experienced the loss of a family member the first time so a um, trigger warning into that. Um, there will also be a brief mention of like mental illness and depression as well so that is something to keep in mind so um, the loss of my family member in twenty fourteen was um was my mom's mother, so she was very close to me, very nice person and um that because that I haven't had much space to grieve with that um it took me many, many years to heal and it wasn't until my fourth year of university that I've traveled for quite a bit, like traveling is a form of self-care for me as well. I do a lot of travel photography. But um, the last year of university, I had a friend who um, who organized a leadership conference, a leadership summit in a in the countryside north of Toronto. So that's in a four-day camp, overnight camp there. And we had such a nice time. Like, I've learned a lot of leadership facilitation skills. I learned... How to talk openly about mental health without judgment for the first time in one of our discussion groups. And it was actually through that camp where I made a new friend who introduced me to this wonderful organization called Jack.org. So Jack is J-A-C-K, Jack.org. So we are a mental health charity, a nationwide charity in Canada where we train and empower young people to revolutionize revolutionize mental health through. Three main programs, so we do talks program talks chapters, and summits so talks we do jack talks where we give presentations about mental health to schools and community groups. we also do chapters so chapters we are little community oriented groups where we um where we Work on mental health on a localized scale and being suited to the community while being supported by the main organization and summits. This is my favorite part. We are, these are large gatherings of youth mental health advocates from all over the country, combined with mental health professionals and keynote speakers and panelists, collaborative sessions together. Just a really fun time. And actually, speaking about that, uh, we do have a national summit every March. Uh, I just came back from Toronto this weekend from this national summit, and we had such a great time. This is like one of my best one of my best moments in my life ever because it was also my first in person event of any kind in two years, so got to reconnect with some old friends, made some new friends as well uh, had some really nice conversations with those speakers as well. And we just talked a lot of like mental health things that we are working to fix. For instance, in Canada, we have a lot of problems like regarding indigenous uh, people and colonialism and how this uh, has severely affected human rights and how talking about indigenous mental health is so important in this space and how we work to decolonize that and work together to advance their human rights as well. So um, yeah, so that's basically it. That's a little bit of background about Jack.org as well. It basically means everything to me. So it's so wonderful to be with them.
1: Wow. First of all, thank you so much for being so vulnerable and sharing your story. And the work that you're doing is amazing. And I can't wait to dive in and talk more about it. But going back to your story and your experience with your mental health, It's very common that we start to struggle a lot when we lose someone, especially the first time, because no one prepares us on how to grieve. I know that's really kind of my story, too. When I lost my grandfather, I had no idea what to do. I had no idea what I was supposed to be feeling, how to cope, how to grieve, how to keep going. So during that experience for you, I'm very curious, how did you know that you were struggling and it was time for you to reach out for help?
0: Well, um, at the beginning, like in the immediate aftermath of her death, um, I definitely feel signs of struggling. However, in my school, in my university, um, there were very, very few resources to reach help. So even though I recognized my signs of struggling, I didn't know where to go to help. Like um, the school wasn't listening, the teachers, the professors, they didn't have any mental health training at all. And um, I know we shouldn't talk about politics at all, but also the city that I studied in our university uh, language is unfortunately very highly politicized. So that also affected how available the mental health resources are. So I tried many years uh, throughout my university in vain to no avail, like reaching reaching out to a therapist that didn't that didn't work out at all. So regarding reaching help, uh, it's a years long process. Um, when I first discovered Jack.org in twenty eighteen, um, they mentioned about the importance of reaching help, and that that was pretty much an eye opener at first. And I started trying to reach out to a peer support service in my university. Um, that kind of help, but it wasn't. It wasn't very helpful in the long run. Um, the listener was okay, but um, some of her knowledge was lacking. But um, during the pandemic, um, somebody suggested a um, online help resource. Um, everyone probably has know of, has heard of BetterHelp before. Not trying to uh, solicitate that, but um, just to know that. I've uh, I've tried this resource. Um, the counselor was okay, but because BetterHelp has counselors all over the world, it was very hard to connect because uh, the counselor was geographically very far away from my place. So a lot of community issues we didn't really connect together. And finally, when I moved to Vancouver in 2021, the summer of that year, I actually four days after I moved in, I was able to connect with a therapist in person locally so that was really awesome Uh, as again I spent the first two sessions talking about my story and then afterwards lots of things that uh, she was very helpful on we understood a lot of community issues together and also um, skills like narrative therapy that she talked about really well and also I started journaling and writing is so therapeutic and actually um actually just last month I started my fourth journal so the journals that I have are uh, about 200 pages each so I write every day and this is something that is so healing and also has also that has helped me improve my speech so immensely you know um in the past I struggled with something called stuttering not a lot of people understand it but it's something that really exists it's something that's very real and thus affects how we speak quite tremendously but after that I I just spoke a lot better a lot more smoothly a lot less filler words you know so like reaching help is so empowering and it I honestly really highly recommend you doing it yeah
1: Thank you again so much for being so open and brave at sharing the resources that you've tried as well. I don't think there's enough conversation on what resources people have tried, whether or not they've been right for them. I think that people listening who don't know where to start, I mean, like you said, it's so hard to find therapists. It is so hard with our schools, again, not to go political, but politics and funding play a huge role in whether or not you can access treatment. So when you can't and you don't know what to do, knowing about other resources that are available for you to research yourself, for you to try, can be so helpful. So thank you so much for sharing that and sharing your kind of experience with it. And journaling, over that's over 600 pages. I love that so much you know I started bullet journaling this past week with my brother's girlfriend and it's been so fun to just express myself in different ways Mm -hmm. so what kind of journaling do you do tell me a little bit more about that
0: so it's mostly in prose um so basically like just free writing um sometimes I do bulleting as well um but mostly it's just like free writing um I also, I'll, you know, I also really find it helps a lot to use uh, a fountain pen, which writes so much better than anything else. So that encourages me to write even more. Also, I really like uh, beautiful journal covers, you know, that also really helps as well. And I've just seen other people like do journaling vlogs. Um, I see there's there's a channel that reviews a lot of different fountain pens, that one really that is, that is a big inspiration for me as well yeah I
1: love that. do you have a favorite journaling prompt by chance?
0: I don't know. there's a lot in my mind, but um i also I love to do uh just gratitude statements like being grateful for uh, these people, uh certain things you know uh, gra- gratitude about nature that's something that I talk about. Very often, um, gratitude for uh, people who I work with in mental health, and it just like just like people in general, like people who have empowered me, like really means a lot. Yeah,
1: I love that so much. Gratitude practices are amazing. I know, in my experience, I can say that gratitude has been. A real eye opener on the support system that I have around me because it's so easy to feel alone when you're struggling with your mental health, when you're living with a mental illness. It's so easy to think you're the only one in this and that there's no one for you to talk to or there's nothing that you can do that's going to make you feel better. But, like you said, nature, that's a big one for me. And realizing how grateful I am to have a space where I can go outside and feel the sun on my skin, or how grateful I am to have. Like, for example, my younger cousin, she's been spending the day with me today when I've been having so much anxiety lately. She was like, you know what? Let me be there for you. Let me help you and do some stuff with you to help alleviate your stress. So gratitude has been a great way for me to realize all the support I have around me when it's so easy for my head to tell me how I'm the only one going through this. But I really want to switch over now because first of all, let's talk about your shirt. For those of you who are listening and not watching, your shirt Mm -hmm. says, this is what a mental health advocate looks like. I love that. Is that shirt from Jack.org? Yes. That is amazing. Can you tell us a little bit more about your work? And you said you like to speak and you were at that summit. So tell us a little bit about the speeches that you do.
0: So um, I love how you briefly mentioned about Be There. Um, that is actually a resource that we talk about so often, so BeThere.org. Um, it's a wonderful self-help resource that we created over many years of work. So um, there are the five golden rules of being there for someone. So say what you see, um, uh, show that you care, hear them out, know your role, and connect them to help. So. These are wonderful, like it makes a huge difference, especially if you're just starting out with mental health advocacy and you don't know what to do. So like these five points, they help so much. Like, like um actually I, this is something that we talk about in Jack talks a lot. So basically, um, basically if I go through briefly in these five points, um, say what you see. So basically just state the direct facts, um, don't go into much explaining. So let's say that you have a friend that um, that you often go to basketball practice with and um, uh, we often see each other, but lately you have been noticing that friend hasn't been coming to practice for a few sessions now, and you want to ask, hey, um, I noticed that you haven't been uh, coming to practice for a while, is that anything all right? So just asking how they are, how they feel um, It's that simple. So um, show that you care, Um, basically just saying that I really care about you. I really care about your well-being, Um, showing your empathy. That's really important. Um, Hear them out. So basically um, just hear what they are saying. So uh, don't judge. Don't try to interrupt. Um, Of course, you can ask questions to further clarify as needed, but just hear what they are saying. And that's really important. Uh, know your roles. This uh, this is also really important because you're likely not a counselor or a therapist or a or a professional of any kind. So just don't try to be to pretend that you're one of these roles because that can be counterproductive and harmful. So just tell them that you're not a counselor or a therapist. Um, I cannot give you advice like this, but I can connect you to help. And uh, if in If you have an idea of what kind of help uh you can you can look out for um definitely you could share but you could also share them to share like help resources to them and this is the fifth rule connect them to help and connect them to help is really important Um, a lot of people can uh can feel like really intimidated about finding help that is totally normal because like It's kind of like walking into a new school, you know, like you don't really know anyone. It's a completely new environment. I totally get it. However, if you are not comfortable in reaching in-person help, um, you can always try phone lines at first. So in Canada, we have the Kids Help Phone. Um, In the US, there is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. I love how they're changing it to 988 because it's so much easier to remember. Um, there are also many other resources online that you can find. And yeah, so basically a little bit into Jack Talk. So there are they are mental health presentations that we give to schools and community groups. So basically talking about the background of mental health, asking them, do you know what mental health is? Do you know what mental illness is? Do you know how to find and connect to help. And also um also just stating the stati- the statistics, like this sti- the statistics of mental health that can be quite disturbing. You know, um one in four Canadians um can't really find help. Like one in five suffer from a mental illness of any kind. So those are this kind of stats that we would like to change for the better through Active advocacy and uh, pressuring governments to change, like policy change, is really important. Into this, and I'm sure that many other countries do have similar stats as well. And unfortunately, there are other cultures where there is an even more active stigma against mental health. So, like culturally sensitive resources is a really important thing. Um, I was actually advocating at the national summit that we should have resources catering to people who have people who have family overseas, who are suffering from oppressive governments, and in a state of war. So unfortunately, I do have family overseas that are under an oppressive government right now. Um, That unfortunately is a very real issue that brings a lot of trauma. Um, There's also the issue with the war in Ukraine that unfortunately is terrifying in all respects. Um, in my first year of university we actually had uh, an international student from Ukraine and he was a very nice person and um, lots of stories that he that he shared with us. So very eye-opening from that experience but basically um, Jack Talks has a wonderful program for um, for youth mental health advocates looking to start to work into this um currently we're working only in canada but i'm sure there are similar resources outside of canada as well
1: yeah thank you so much for sharing all of that useful information but you started with the five rules amazing first of all thank you so much for sharing that because i think our listeners can really find value in learning how to be there and recommend someone to support give them options that are available to them I think a lot of people because they don't know what to do they don't know what to say they don't know how to help they just avoid right so instead of listening and helping them research options that are available to them they kind of just back away and they're like you need help I can't help you so you're on your own and knowing that you know, just researching and referring someone somewhere. I can't help you. I can listen to you. I can sit here with you. But I'm not a professional. I can't tell you what to do. But I can help you find a therapist that might work for you. Or I might be able to help you find a hotline to reach out to, or explore coping mechanisms, or find a workbook, find a nonprofit. Find somewhere to connect to a peer support group. So I think that is very, very valuable. And I'm so happy you brought that up. And then jumping over to the work you're doing and what you spoke about the summit, there are not enough resources for third parties in general out there. But specifically for, you know, one very unique positions. I mean, I can specifically speak in the US, very unique position where we have, a democracy we have a lot of resources and tools that are available to us in a lot of countries they don't have that the stigma is even worse the mental health there are countries where there are like seven psychiatric hospitals in the country that's it and they're still using the insane asylum type models so being in a very unique position and not knowing how to support someone who's not can be very overwhelming and stressful. So, you are 100% right. Being able to make those resources available would be huge.
0: Yes, for sure. And also, I like how you brought up that point of insane asylums, because I also like to point out how movies depict um, psych wards and uh, psych units, how they depict them as terrifying places absolutely would discharge anyone from reaching help, you know? Um, I know like not all psych wards are the same, but like how movies depict them, like that has to change, you know? Like I remember when I first uh, encountered that, it definitely is terrifying, you know? It portrays the image of mental health as something terrifying when in fact, mental health is something that all of us have. Five in five of us has mental health. Like we need to distinguish mental health and mental illness as two separate things. Like mental illness is like, they are specific symptoms. They are specific clusters of symptoms of um, of an illness that involves like mental health, you know, like depression, schizophrenia, bipolar. Um, we've all heard of this. So we really need to make a distinction on these.
1: I completely agree. The distinction is so important. We all have mental health, but mental illness, 20% of the population in the world has been diagnosed. There are a lot of people who don't reach out for help that have never gotten a diagnosis. So that number could be more, but it's really important to realize that you're not the only one. Mm -hmm. And it's not just a small amount of people struggling. 20% of the world's population is a lot. That's a lot of people. So you are not alone in it and it's okay to need help. I mean, I've been inside a psych ward and I can tell you not perfect but it helps. Yes. Of course there's room for opportunity room for growth and opportunity for change. But they really do help keep you safe and they give you the opportunity to find some coping mechanisms and discover what might work for you. And not everyone is the same, so when you have the opportunity to go voluntarily, research the different facilities, call them up and ask questions. It's okay to research. And to interview people that are going to help you, just like they're going to interview you to see what's going on and assess you and how they can help you. You can interview and do the exact same. So I'm really happy that you brought that up and you were so right in the movies. I was watching girl interrupted with my mom the other day and I was sitting there. I was like, Oh, that's, that's kind of accurate. Um, no, not accurate. Nope. (laughs) So being able to recognize that in the movies, It can be very different than what it's like now. And that movie is based on a true story and it is what it was like back then. That is not necessarily reflective of how it is today. So that's a very important point I want to bring up that is reflective of a true story. But in today's world, it's a little different and it's slowly getting better. But you're 100% right not to judge it based on what you see in the movies. So... I know you said, again, going back to Jack.org and the work that you're doing, as a speaker, how did you know that you were ready to talk about your mental health in a public forum?
0: Well, I sort of just jumped in, you know, um, my first encounter with Jack.org was um, in one of their previous summits where they post a rap video at the end, like, just to summarize what they have talked about. That was really eye-opening. So, Um, I obviously I've had stage fright before, um, I've never done much, uh, spoken presentations in school. So that will be like a first for me. So like, um, so I just got motivated to talk about these, these issues and jumped in whether or not I like, I was confident to speak because, uh, we do work with a trainer who to work on training to be a speaker. So that usually takes about two to three months, but there are a lot of points to speak. There are a lot of opportunities to improve, lots of tips on how to speak better, I would say. But the first time I gave a Jack talk was in February of 2020. So that was in person when I was still living in Toronto. So I spoke with a high school of uh, well over a 1,000 people at once. So that was my first public speech ever. So it was a little bit overwhelming, but it felt so good. Like, it felt so good to speak with so many people in front. And um, I made two such talks in that month of February 2020. And um, the next month, March, was when the world turned upside down of the pandemic. So I wasn't able to do that for a very long time. I suffered from a huge depression as a result. um, Wasn't really able to get much help. And when the world started closing down, people were often talking about lockdowns and quarantine, but nobody was talking about the mental health effects of this pandemic. Like, what about the mental health? Like, what about people who need to hang out and socialize too? Uh, to like maintain their positive mental health what about people who um who seeks in person care for uh their mental illness you know what about people like this like it's not just about the the like the pandemic disease itself it's about everything like every part of society matter in in this kind of situation so it was definitely a very hard place to be but um Moving onwards, um, I actually gave my first Jack talk in two years uh, last week, so that was great. Uh, We did it virtually because um, we actually do it with a co-speaker, so two speakers together. Um, My other speaker lives very far from here, uh, so we opted to do it virtually, so um, that was great. The The people in the school were really nice, and lots of conversations afterwards, like we had a feedback form for them to set to fill out afterwards and um lots of interesting said, lots of interesting things said afterwards, you know. It's really great.
1: That is amazing. I cannot believe that your first time speaking, public speaking, you had over a thousand people to speak to. That is intimidating. I am one who loves to speak, I never stop talking. I am Like you put me in front of people, give me a mic. I'm on cloud nine. Love it. We'll do it any time of the day. Um, But I can't even imagine being someone who's so confident in front of an audience. A thousand people is my very first. I don't know if I've even spoken in front of that many people in person before. So Mm. I just want to applaud you. That is incredible. And then to finally get back to doing that after two years, is amazing. You must be so excited. I mean, like you said, those two years really were depressing because we were being told to social distance and it really is physical distancing. I didn't like that they used the word social. And for people who need to be around people, sometimes I like to be alone, but I am a people person. I love to be surrounded by people and their energy. And for the first time, I wasn't able to do that. I didn't know how to cope. And I'm just really happy you brought it up because I don't think that's a conversation we've had enough of. Even now, you know, two years through the pandemic or into the pandemic, I wanna say, I don't wanna say we're over it. Um, we're still not talking enough about how much it impacted us to be separated from people. So how long was it before you really got to be around people again and kind of work through that depression?
0: Um, it's an on and off process. Like, um, like it's a little bit difficult to say, but I would say my in-person experience that my in-person experiences started, uh, becoming like coming back when I moved to Vancouver in, uh, last summer. So, um, like I also have a few friends in Vancouver that I hang out with. So that really helped. Like as much as I'm an introverted person, I sometimes need people to hang out with. Because that can make a big difference, but um it was in august twenty twenty one when I uh, participated in this amazing event that I went on a 14 day kayaking trip to the northern part of Vancouver island with Outward Bound Canada so that was a that was an eye-opening experience as well we got to, we got to experience so much nature and so many different places as well so that was really wonderful as well.
1: That sounds like so much fun. And wow, 14 day kayaking adventure. That's, oh my goodness. I love that. I'm so jealous. So now kind of going into more of hobbies and coping skills. Let's switch over to music. Yes. So you incorporate mental health into teaching music. Yes. How do you do that? What inspired you to do that? Let's talk about it.
0: Um it just kind of clicked, you know. Um, I studied music in university and most of my university years uh there were there were there weren't any mental health conversations um until the very end. So like that changed a little bit at the very end. Um we had a jack chapter at our school as well, so that really helped. But um mental health and music that clicked. I don't know where it came from, but it helped like it's something that would help so many people because in my previous experience in piano lessons before, um, there weren't really any mental health conversations in this, but like the implications of mental health in music is huge. Like the effects of mental health in music is like very, very significant. And yet like so few people are talking about it because like there's a lot of perfectionism I found in music as well. Like Like, for instance, like, the things that you work on in specific pieces of music, that can be stressful, you know? Like, there's a lot of stress in my lessons as well in my previous experience, but it doesn't really have to be that way. Instead, like, uh, as I, as I, like, begin my teaching career, like, um, I'm in the first few steps of that, but uh, incorporating mental health conversations, making it a safe space, making it a stress-free space a stress-free space that really helps you know like asking asking them again like going through the be there building rules again like asking them how they are like how they feel about the music um what what kind of difficulties are they facing like um do you think like there's something in your mental health that's playing a role in like tackling this difficult part of the music so that is something that it's that can be very eye opening like um i've like I really wish that the teaching methods be changed like in a more positive way, you know uh, and uh hopefully maybe I can inspire more people to um go through this path of mental health focused music teaching because it really can change lives, yeah
1: Herbert, I love that you do that there is not enough focus on mental health teaching. You know, being considerate of removing stress, of creating a safe space, you know, no matter what you expect from a student and you expect from a class and you want out of them, their mental health is going to play a huge role in that. What they can accomplish, who they can become, a lot of that is going to be tied to their mental health status, and how much pressure they can handle. And being a perfectionist versus being a recovering perfectionist, Mm -hmm. being able to make a mistake without beating yourself up and pushing yourself down, being able to be open to growth and to feedback and to criticism. I just, I think you really are changing lives. And I hope teachers everywhere learn from you because that is incredible. I hope you take time to celebrate yourself and honor all the amazing work you're doing.
0: Yeah so just to add on that um, there's like like um, one of my first experiences with like uh, like a lot of stress in uh, in my music program was again touching on the death of my family member again was that Uh, When that happened, um, I told my professor about that. Um, He said, just, I'm sorry that this happened, but he didn't offer any support and he just let things go as if nothing has happened. Like if I were him right now, like if I were the teacher, I would say, again, really sorry to hear this. Is there anything that I can offer you support? Is there anything like do you feel like you wanted to take a break from this music that you're doing because like music again it can be stressful so like um i respect your space that i want to give i want to give you space to grieve and if you want to take a break uh you can have that break and um again um if they i mean after that break when they come back ask them how are things feeling um Do you feel like you wanted to continue this music? Do you feel like, um, do you feel like I, do you like, are there any accommodations that I can give you to, so you can have success in your music learning journey? Like, um, I think like much of this is still in the works. There's like still a lot of work to do, but I think that's the general direction that I'm going. That's the general framework where I am. Going with
1: my teaching. I love that. It is so common that teachers kind of brush past and move past struggles that people are going through, especially loss. I know in my syllabuses, personally, I can say that unless it was an immediate family member, mm. they don't really even give you an excuse absence to leave for a funeral. Mm. I mean, we need to be more, I think, respectful yeah. and understanding and ask what support I can offer. I that goes a long way knowing that someone's here and mm-hmm. you're not being judged and you have space to heal and to grieve and to feel. So again, you are absolutely amazing. I am so thankful and grateful for the work that you're doing. How can our listeners connect with you today?
0: Um, Just going back a little bit into that, um, speaking about unexcused school absences how you mentioned immediate family that is such a broad term so in specific you know like that causes a lot of stress and trauma as well you know like I consider my grandparents as immediate family as well so that that obviously is like really open to interpretation you know like yeah like school policies they are very stressful actually um speaking of school policies, um, I actually uh, did a year of master's in my music, but um, I really needed a a year-long break to take care of my mental health, because things were really going downhill, and um, that school didn't accommodate that, and so I, like, instead of, like, going through their bureaucratic procedure that is really intimidating, I chose to leave entirely and focus on my own thing and come back when I feel like it. Yeah.
1: I'm really happy that you were strong enough to recognize that you needed a break. And when your school wasn't able to accommodate it, you didn't force yourself to try through something that your body and your mind sometimes just need a break. I took a semester off because I got to that point too. And I think people are afraid to take time off. Mm
0: -hmm. They may
1: feel like, a failure or that they're quitting or that they're giving up or they're not strong enough. And that's not true. It takes a lot of strength and courage to recognize that you need space to heal and to grieve and to grow and to learn and to feel. I mean there's so much and it's okay to take a break. And if your school is unwilling to accommodate you, that's a reflection of them and not of you.
0: Yes. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Herbert, you've been Amazing. How can our listeners connect with you?
0: So I'm most active on Instagram. So on Instagram is naturally.herb. So that is my uh, username there. So I posted very extensively of the National Jack Summit this weekend. Um, I posted the stories and the highlights. Actually, I learned that there's a limit of 100 stories in a highlight on Instagram. So I reached that. So like it was so extensive. A lot of people were enjoying my post. But um it, uh like basically Instagram is my only uh social media, but I also post professional pictures on Flickr. So same username as well, naturally.herb. So Flickr, you could post um full resolution pictures without being compressed. Um and also on YouTube as well. Although YouTube I post mostly travel videos, you know. Um I'm really into like photography, like travel photography as well. So um, like my favorite place that I traveled was in New Zealand in 2019. So that was really amazing. It was actually over there that I recognized that I really need a break from school. Like I've been having such a good time in New Zealand that like I was finally able to think about my uh, immediate future and my like and sort of like some of my long-term goals. So that was very healing as well. So um, yeah, so go check out my uh, Instagram and um, lots of like, lots of mental health things I've also posted in there. Like when I was taking a break from the Jack talks, I actually condensed the content of the talks to several graphical posts about each main topic. So like Uh, but the back like the basics mental health um, uh, like the mental health spectrum as well forgot to mention that like the mental health spectrum like can like there's a vertical spectrum so from healthy to stress to struggling and crisis so um, it can range from anywhere on there and on the horizontal spectrum there is from no diagnosable mental illnesses to having severe mental illnesses so your Health can range on anywhere on that spectrum, so um, really encourage you to check that out, and also other points of being there for ourselves, being there for others, and also being there in a crisis that's also really important as well. And also, a little bit of background about Jack.org as well and what we do.
1: You are amazing, absolutely incredible. First of all, I did not know about this travel, so I can't wait to check out your YouTube. Obviously, I follow your Instagram. So I encourage everyone listening to go check out your Instagram to learn more about jack.org, to learn more about you, to connect with you, and to keep having these conversations. You are changing the world. I'm so honored and excited Thank that you joined me today.
0: You. Thank you. So all of those links will be in the video description below. And um Really amazing to have you. Like you are so amazing as well. Um, Really love uh, the things that you do, like the encouragement cards. That makes a huge difference. And um, honestly, uh, I can't wait to see uh, where your organization grows. You know, that makes a huge difference.
1: Thank you so much for all of your kind words and your constant support. I have to say you have been one of the most frequent and amazing supporters of me and IMG commenting on everything I do supporting liking just reaching out I'm so appreciative of you and I can't wait to see where you go as well